We see in Matthew chapter 16, this is after the leaders of Israel basically turned against the Lord Jesus. They said that he was doing his miracles by the power of Satan. It was a total rejection. And so Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 21, says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. It's the first time it's recorded there in Matthew and then chapter 17, the second time, verse 22 and 23. Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him and the third day he will be raised up and they were exceedingly sorrowful. Listen to the part on the resurrection, I guess, but anyway. But they were exceedingly sorrowful and looking Chapter 20, verse 18, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. It's going into more detail here. And then the fourth time is in Matthew 26, this is on Wednesday, two days before the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus, 26 verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. It happened there. But I wanted to just share a few more times when the Lord Jesus revealed what his future was going to be, look in Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> beginning in verse 38. <clears throat> and some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it, except the sign of prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. So he gave him the sign of Jonah. Remember, Jonah was three days and three nights in the great fish, but then he came out. Jesus was going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So there's another real clear. And then look in uh, John chapter 2, beginning with verse 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the Scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. A little bit late for them to believe, but 
Because after his resurrection, they believe. But, uh, and then chapter 3, verse 14, to me, Jesus is trying to explain how to be born again. And he refers back to when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness there in 314. Do you remember that uh, the Jews rebelled against God and rebelled against Moses and God sent these poisonous snakes among them and a lot of people died. So they went and asked Moses to pray for them. We have sinned against God and we've sinned against Moses. God told him to take a brass serpent and lift it up, set it there, and anybody who's been bitten, look and be healed. As they looked, they were healed. And he says there in 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's talking about the cross here. He had to be lifted up on the cross. That whoever believes on Him should not perish but have eternal life. They have to believe that Jesus Christ was lifted up and died for their sins and then was buried and rose again the third day. And uh, that's the basic meaning of being born again. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Gave Him up to be lifted up on the cross of Calvary. Gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then uh, John 12. I'll begin in verse 27. This is shortly before Jesus was going to Calvary. This is right after the Palm Sunday. Verse 27. It says, My, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. The purpose of Jesus was to come and lay down his life for you and me. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. This is the third time it's recorded in the scriptures where God spoke from heaven to the Lord Jesus once at his baptism, once at the transfiguration. And here, right before Calvary, God says to him, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now of this, the ruler of this world will be cast out. He's telling them through the cross of Calvary, Satan is going to be defeated. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Now is a ruler of this world being cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful verse. Jesus, if he's lifted up, he's going to draw all peoples to myself, he says. And uh, the gospel, the good news is for all people. And uh, But this he said, signifying what death he would die. There's only one way Jesus could die. Only one way. Anyway, that's kind of the background. So turn with me in Matthew chapter 21. I'll try to cover it as much as I can. It, it will not be completely thorough. I'll guarantee you that. But Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. 
Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. The reason we get the idea that this was Palm Sunday comes from John chapter 12, and we find out why it's called Palm Sunday. John 12, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. So this is six days before the Passover. This is identified as the Sabbath day, the Sabbath, which is Saturday, Saturday. And then we get down to verse 12. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees. The next day was Sunday. Sunday. Five days. So we get, and then we get the idea, they brought palm trees. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. So, uh, I just wondered, you know, how they got the days and stuff, so I had to look it up and check it out. So back to Matthew chapter 21, verse 2 and 3, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This is there. And then Mark adds about this colt that Jesus was going to sit on, on which no one had ever sat. That's another miracle in the Bible. First time everybody sits on a horse or a donkey or anything else, ah, there's trouble. There's trouble. That's a miracle. Because every time you look through the Scriptures, When God wanted to use an animal, they were perfectly obedient. No animal ever rebelled against the Lord Jesus, except for these guys, humans. (laughs) But uh, that's a miracle. He got on that donkey. It didn't even throw him off. Didn't throw him off. He went obediently right up carrying our Lord Jesus. So, on which no one had ever sat. Uh, there in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 21. And all was fulfilled that might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Look in uh, Mark 11, adds a few more details, starting in verse 2. And he said to them, Going to the village opposite you, And as soon as you have entered it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside of the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosen the colt. And it's like they're stealing their colt, you know. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. He said, just tell them, the Lord has need of them. Okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Use it. Use the coat. And so they did. Brought their coat to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and sat on it. 
Okay, that's uh, <clears throat> look in uh, 21.9. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, which means save us, we pray. Save us, we pray. It's uh, one that you do to the Savior. You cry out to the Lord. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hosanna to the Son of David. That's Jesus. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I was going to show you that portion in Zechariah. Look, I didn't do that. So look back at Zechariah on that uh, 9-9. When it talks about Jesus coming in on a colt. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Identifies him. Your king is coming to you. He is just, means holy. And having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's a fulfillment of that prophecy. So, uh, there we read verse 9, Hosanna is the son of David to the son of David. And we have some other things that are added in uh, Luke 19. It says, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the works which they had seen. Now, these are disciples of Jesus. Disciples. Of, I, don't, I don't agree with uh, the idea that these people were the ones later on saying, crucify him, crucify him. I, some of them might have been. But uh, these were disciples of Jesus. Remember, uh, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he showed himself to how many? 500 at once. I think they were there. I think they were there on this Palm Sunday. So, not all of them were, yeah, now crucify him, crucify him. So there were disciples that uh, Mark adds, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Luke adds, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. John adds, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Even the king of Israel. So, if you put them all together, you get kind of what's going on here. And then uh, chapter 21, 10. And when they had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It's only recorded here in Matthew, by the way. Verse 10 and 11. Who is this? Who is this? Some people didn't know who, who this guy was coming in and who is this? They spread their clothes and branches. The branches doesn't say palms here, but in Mark it does. That's why we call it Palm Sunday, of course. But uh, who is this? This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And then verse 12 and 13, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now this is in Mark. It seems like it's almost the next day, but I'm not really sure on that. But uh, this did happen shortly after the Lord Jesus came and they cleansed the temple. This is the second time he cleansed the temple. You have it in his early ministry in John chapter 2. 
And then verse 14 says, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. This is the last time that I can see in Scripture where Jesus healed a group of people. The last time where he healed a group of people. And the blind and the lame were not even supposed to come into the temple. But in this case, they came in and God healed them and they went out pure. This is the last. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The last time he healed anybody on this earth before he died is recorded in Luke 22. The last time he healed anybody, 22 verse 49. This is when they're arresting the Lord Jesus. It says, when those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. That's Peter. Cut this guy's right ear off. He would have bled to death very shortly. If you ever had much cuts on your head, man, uh, I remember one time my son got kicked in the head by a horse wasn't kicking it, but he fell off. Hoof caught him in the back of the head. Blood was just choo, 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 squirting out like crazy. And I had to take a handkerchief and hold it on his head till we could get to emergency and get sewed up, you know. But uh, anyway, there I read 49. One of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. I was always interested whether he cut the ear that's laying on the floor or cut the ear up here. You know, if they touched him here, I don't know. Anyway, he healed that guy. I can imagine that guy. Can you imagine? This guy just had his ear cut off. Sure death. Man, Jesus heals him. I don't know whether he, we might meet that guy in heaven, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I sure would have believed. That guy touched my ear and the ear was healed after it had been cut off. But that's the last recorded miracle in the scriptures before. <clears throat> okay, back in Matthew 21, verse 15 and 16. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Not everybody was rejoicing here. His enemies, man, they're praising you. And uh, said to Jesus, I said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? I love this. You look at, Jesus says this a lot of times. Have you never read? Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what's going on here? Have you never read? Jesus is always coming back with that because that's what's important, what, what the Bible says. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. This is a quote from Psalm 8.2. I want to read that to you. Psalm 8, verse 2 adds a few more words here. It's a psalm of David, so long time before the Lord Jesus ever came to this earth, hundreds of years. Psalm 8, verse 2, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that they may, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? So, 
He says, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Hmm. But he also adds in Luke 19, look in Luke 19, beginning with verse 39. And some of the Pharisees called him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. I'll tell you, the whole creation is waiting for Jesus to come back. And the stones would have cried out if these infants, if these people had been quiet. He says, I tell you that if these would keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. I'm going to read a couple more verses there, uh, 41 to 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. The king. The refusal, the king. Verse 42, saying, If you had known, even you especially, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you in the ground to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So Jesus wept over the city and says not stone will be left upon another. I, I've been to Jerusalem, and they got these stones, and they, none of them on top of each other. They're all torn down. When they tore down that city, A.D. 70, you can go see it today, folks. You can go see it today. There in okay, Matthew twenty-one, seventeen. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. He left Jerusalem, which is a suburb of Jerusalem. And then Mark twenty-one eleven adds, since it was already, since it was already interesting. So remember the timing. Five days later, Jesus was crucified. He had predicted this four times in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem. I must go to Jerusalem. He said his face like a flint, the Bible says, toward Jerusalem. He on, a, on his way to Jerusalem and lay down his life for you and me. My dad used to joke about people who told fortunes. He said, I wish they could really tell fortunes. I'd go and ask them, you know, Give me the exact place where I'm going to die. And they'd tell me, and then I'd never go near the place. But they couldn't tell a fortune. My dad did die, and he went to heaven. So, anyway, that's a joke he used to. But I'll tell you this. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. You and I would have gone the other way. We'd have been like Jonah, you know. We'd have gone the other way. Tell you what, if I knew I'm going to go in this town here, and I'm, they're going to crucify me. So yeah, I'm going this way. Uh, anyway, Jesus knew the exact place he would die. And he went willingly to the cross. Look in John 10. This is a chapter on Jesus being the good shepherd and the door of the sheep and all these beautiful things. Verse 16. Another sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock, 
one shepherd. That's you and I, folks. That's everybody here that knows the Lord Jesus. Uh, because we were not part of the flock at that time. But other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Then verse 17, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father into the cross. He shed his precious blood there. This Palm Sunday, to me, is a picture when Jesus comes again to set up his kingdom. We find that in Revelation 19. He's not going to be lowly and riding on a donkey. It's in verse 11 of chapter 19 of Revelation. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's the church, the believers. We're all going to be coming behind him, and we're all going to be riding white horses. I don't know whether you've ever ridden a horse or not, but you'll know how. Only those who know the Lord Jesus will be riding behind him. And you'll be riding on a white horse. It's going to be fun. I used to ride a horse when I was a kid a lot. We always rode bareback. We never used a saddle, but I really enjoyed riding horses. But I'm going to really enjoy this one. <clears throat> and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads a winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had it on his robe, and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord. A little bit different than Palm Sunday. And we're going to be coming in with him to rule and reign with him forever and ever. And I say, even so, if you're here without the Savior, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the Lord Jesus that laid down his life. We might live. He became poor that we might become rich. And we look forward to your coming. Even so, come, Lord Jesus.